Hi, my name's Glenn Gunderson, and I'm the pastor here at PFB Purpose Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining this study of God's Word entitled The Power of a Whisper. And I've been so excited about this study, just figuring out how we could hear whispers from God, how we can figure out if it's legitimately from God or if it's just something that came up in our heads, and how we can have the guts, the courage to act on that whisper. Life becomes an adventure when we can hear God's voice We can discern whether it really is God's voice, and if it is, if we can take action based on that. That's when life is an adventure. That's when life becomes fun. So I'm so glad that you're joining us on this study, and let's now uh, begin our study from God's Word. Now today we're going to finish up our series entitled The Power of a Whisper. And you all had just such a phenomenal response. You know, I spend my life as a pastor underestimating the people of Pomona First Baptist. And we have run out of books two of the Sundays that we've been doing this. And please forgive me, oh me of little faith. And, and so I'm so sorry if you didn't get a book because we ran out. I ordered, we ordered so many books this week, we can't possibly run out today. But prove me wrong yet again. So they're at the Resource Center. And so if you didn't get a book, I encourage you to do that. Uh, Everybody's been responding to this in just such an incredible way. Um, uh, Tamiko Chacon, our pastor of social justice, she was getting ready to come into work and into church uh, one morning a week ago. And all of a sudden, her little one-and-a-half-year-old, 18-month-old Christian, Christian Chacon, uh, he was in the other room. And all of a sudden, he got real quiet. And you know, as a parent, that's when you get nervous, when all of a sudden they get quiet in the other room. So she went in to see what he was up to, and here's a picture of what was going on. There, there he is. You know, it's the the children of Pomona First Baptist are remarkable. They're like Lake Wobegon. They're all uh, above average. So there, there he was reading the power of a whisper. Now, the title of today's study is Wide Open for Good. And the basic thesis is this is that there are two kinds of whispers. Whispers where God tells us about being good and whispers where he tells us to do good. And both of those are important. Being good feeds doing good. Doing good feeds being good. Sometimes those whispers will be about living a more godly or righteous or moral life of integrity. Sometimes that's what the whispers will be about, being good. And other times, the whispers will be about doing good, uh, blind spots of people that are in need that we're not seeing, and God will whisper to us. And the way we keep these in balance with each other and feeding each other is by listening to whispers from God. Two main points of this morning. When we learn to hear God's voice and obey his whispers, we impact not just our lives, but the world at large. What world-changing whisper is God ready to place in your ears? Isaiah 58. Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Now, fasting is a form of spiritual worship. It's, it's, it's a spiritual discipline that's talked about in Scripture, and we should be fasting. But what he's talking about here is religious or empty ritual, ritual going through the motions when our heart is not connected with it. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. 
You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke, Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then, if if we follow God in that way, your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you'll call and the Lord will answer you. You'll cry for help and he'll say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and then in your study outline, it's weird, the computer kind of glitched this, and so it's right on PowerPoint, it's right in your Bible, but it's not right there in in this. It skips a phrase, and I think it's kind of God did this because it calls our attention to it. We don't just like rip right by it. We have to pay attention to it. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, isn't that a great phrase? Um, That's the one that's missing in there. If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He'll satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Now, if you were to read that far, you'd say, well, the emphasis there is on doing good, meeting the needs of people in need, um, uh, helping people, uh, you know, to break the yoke of, of oppression and injustice. And you think, well, that's by far the most important thing. But isn't it interesting in verse 13, he pivots right back to one of the Ten Commandments. And so there's this doing good feeds being good, and being good, the natural overflow, is doing good. And so Isaiah, God right now pivots right back through Isaiah, uh, speaking through Isaiah, pivots right back to one of the Ten Commandments. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it not by going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then... You will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now Jesus picks up this theme after Palm Sunday. We celebrate Palm Sunday today. And then comes the Monday after Palm Sunday. And in Matthew 23, verse 23, he confronts the Pharisees. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, so that he's talking about tithing, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now, at that point, you would say, well, Jesus is saying these are the most important ones, the more important ones, so the other is unimportant. No, not at all. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. I think this is such an important verse. You should have practiced the latter That is justice, mercy, and faithfulness, looking for people in need and ministering to that need without neglecting the former, which is to live a godly life of righteousness. 
we should be good as we do good and do good as we are good. Now, what, now you say, Glenn, why do you think that's so important? Because it's very easy to get out of balance in the Christian life. Uh, as I observe um, in, in my own life and, and different Christians, uh, some people, and this is a huge stereotype, but some people tend to be better at being good than they are doing good. And others more doing good than, than being good. That is sometimes, and, and it happens generationally. I've seen it through the generations. The pendulum kind of goes back and forth. And so sometimes there's this tremendous emphasis on morality and righteousness and godliness, as there should be. But then sometimes we have blind spots with regard to reaching out to the poor and to people in need and to acts of injustice. And then, on the other hand... Sometimes people, you know, get all into righting wrongs and dealing with injustice, but they don't live a godly life or a life of righteousness. I remember one of the first speakers I heard on this in seminary, and he's speaking about a certain injustice that's going on, and that was wonderful and in keeping with Scripture here, but he used to cuss during his message. <laughs> and, and, and I just thought to myself, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Okay, and and um, you know it is interesting how um, this this happens generationally. Oh, you know, please give me feedback on this. This is this is not the Seth the Lord. This is just Glenn thinking in the shower or whatever. You know, okay, the the Seth Glenn's wandering. But you know, I find it very interesting. There's a huge stereotype, but like my my mom and dad, two of the godliest people I, I've ever known. I mean, they they really lived a pure. Christian life. I mean, my goodness, watching them, it was just like, they were so godly. But, you know, their generation sometimes had a few blind spots on, on things like, um, you know, injustice, or, or they're certainly concerned for the poor, and certainly had a passion for world missions. But sometimes there was a blind spot on things like racial reconciliation, or, or dealing with injustice, or, or dealing with, um, you know, poverty, and, and things like that. And I can remember, I was so grateful that my dad he was willing to put up with me when I was such a punk. And I remember, you know, you go to college and you think you know everything and you come back and tell your parents what they don't know. And, you know, and I remember challenging him about materialism and the car he drove and the house he lived in and all this stuff. And he was so gracious. He didn't just say, you know, shut up. Talk to me in 20 years, you know, when you, when you know something. I, I remember us just having great conversations where we wrestled with these things. What does it mean you know, to have more than the rest of the world has? And how do we deal with our materialism, but at the same time to be godly? And, and then I think about how the pendulum has swung to like my, my, my children and how, you know, they, they tend to naturally be concerned for areas like injustice and stuff. My daughter, Leah, the only school she applied to as a teacher in South Los Angeles was when if they were 100% at-risk kids. That's the only school she'd apply to. And yet what I challenge my kids about is, look, it, do those things, but don't neglect the former. What, what I challenge my kids about is, have a heart for these things, but I still want you to be as godly as grandma and grandpa. And then you'll change the world. You see, I worry that there's this slippage and that we baby boomers were more concerned about areas of injustice, but we kind of got sloppy with our righteousness and our godliness. Anybody want to say amen to that? And I worry that if the pendulum just, and I'm going to really preach this at 11.11, I want you to know with the young adult crowd, that I'm worried that it goes too far where everybody's all, you know, in, into these things, which Jesus did say were the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But I tell you, if they want to change the world, they won't keep the moral slide of their baby boomer parents. You know what's going to happen? You know how they're going to change the world? And I'm going to challenge them on this prophetically. And I challenge all of us on this. 
You know how we change the world at any generation? Is we do the latter without neglecting the former. We are godly like Christians of the past while having an open eye to some of these needs like Christians of the younger Christians of the present future. Anybody want to say amen to that? It's like when I fly, I like two wings of an airplane. I prefer it that way. I ain't getting on a one-winged airplane. I want a left wing and I want a right wing on that airplane. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus said you should have practiced the latter, justice, mercy, and faithfulness without neglecting the former, which is godliness and righteousness and morality. Number one, when we spend ourselves on behalf of others, we listen with wide open ears. Back page of your study outline, Zechariah 7. Word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. But they refused to pay attention stubbornly they turned their backs and covered their ears. Um, whispers will come about living a more godly life. Whispers will come about compromising with the world, of polluting ourselves with the world, and we put our hands over our ears. Or whispers will come about seeing people in need and living more sacrificially and living more simply so that we can be more generous in helping others, and we cover our ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. Let me share with you, to me, one of the most disturbing stories I've ever heard. It's entitled, Singing to Drowned Out. In his book, When a Nation Forgets God, Erwin Lutzer retells one Christian story of living in Hitler's Germany. The man wrote, I lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. I considered myself a Christian. We heard stories of what was happening to the Jews, but we tried to distance ourselves from it because what could anybody do to stop it? A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning we could hear the whistle in the distance and then the wheels coming over the tracks. We became disturbed when we heard the cries coming from the train as it passed by. We realized that it was carrying Jews like cattle in the cars. Week after week, the whistle would blow. We dreaded to hear the sound of those wheels because we knew that we would hear the cries of the Jews en route to a death camp. Their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming. And when we heard the whistle blow, we began singing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, we were singing at the top of our voices. If we heard the screams, we sang more loudly. And soon we heard them no more. Years have passed and no one talks about it anymore. But I still hear that train whistle in my sleep. God forgive me. God forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians yet did nothing to intervene. And I pray all the time, Lord, would you whisper to me so that, what is it for us? What is it for us? Drive by the abortion clinic. Sing louder so we don't think about what goes on there. Drive by Holt Avenue, the girls caught in the sex trafficking trade. Sing louder so we don't have to care what's going on there. Read about people in poverty in different places around the world or in poverty in our own community. Sing louder so we don't have to hear. Or 
matters of personal morality, compromise, what we watch on TV, what movies we go to, what things we read, uh, the coarseness of our talk, our language. Sing louder so that we don't hear the whispers of God convicting us about those things. I want to give us two very practical things that, that we can do. And, and sometimes I take announcements intentionally and I stick them in the sermon outline because they are direct applications of what we're studying in God's Word. I got a couple of them right there. You, you, you know how I always talk about a clear play? Let me read you a verse um, that is not there in your study outline, but it's in your Bibles or we'll put it up on our PowerPoint. It's James 1, verse 20, verse, James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Now notice again the balance between doing good and being good. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. Doing good. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Being good. Do you see the balance between the two? Do the latter without neglecting the former. You know, it's funny, back to my parents, like I said, my mom and dad are the godliest people I've ever known. And I can only remember one time where I looked my dad in the eye, even in adulthood, and said, no, I'm not going to do it your way. Really, my whole life, even in adulthood, I can't remember anything we disagreed on that much, but it's when we adopted our two boys from Columbia, South America, from an orphanage. And we were going to go down there and adopt a seven and eight-year-old. We already had our daughters that had been born to us who were four and five. And my dad was the designated person from all the family to come and tell Glenn and Kimberly they were insane. And I remember dad saying it. And I know he didn't want to be there, you know, it was one of those where, okay, my sisters and my mother, they've all said, talk to Glenn. And I just said, you know, dad, I'm sorry, but on this, we just don't see eye to eye. And that's okay. He came around later, but initially did not. Because we realize that um, pure religion is to look after orphans and widows in their distress and, okay, to do the latter but not neglect the former and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, here's a great way our family has found to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. You've heard me talk about it. It's called clear play. And you can either go online and order it uh, or to make it simple. Kimberly heard a whisper from God a couple of weeks ago that we should make this easy for people, not hard. And so she's going to be out by the fountain. As soon as we're done, she's got a bunch of these that, that she'll get for you. And I, and I know it's a stiff price, like 150 bucks. And you say, man, Glenn, that's a little bit stiff. But we have found as a family that that $150 investment into the keeping our family from being polluted by the world has been invaluable. I'll tell you, two great investments, 100 bucks on Financial Peace University and 150 bucks on a clear play. I'm telling you, those two investments, uh, unfortunately, unlike Financial Peace, you go to all the sessions, the church gives you the 100 back. We don't do that on clear play, okay? So uh, um, we don't, don't do that on that one. But, but this is a way to keep ourselves from being polluted from the world. Now, that's about being good. How about doing good? Well, look at our Easter offering. Uh, let me just tell you how much a better person our executive pastor, Peter Torrey, is than me. We always do our Easter offering. That doesn't mean that it's received on Easter. What it means is anything you mark Easter on your envelope or on your check, uh, anytime in the weeks ahead, just 100% of that goes to our Easter. We just have an Easter project. You just mark Easter anytime. And I have to admit, things have been a little tight around here. 
recently, financially. And so I really thought the Easter offering should be something about us, <laughs> okay? Hey, things are tight here. And Peter, you're the executive pastor. You're supposed to be worried about this stuff. Things are tight around here. And this is what the whisper of God told him that we should do. Young people in our community are pushed and pulled in so many directions, lured into the slavery of prostitution, struggling in school, and giving up on education, pulled into a gang's lifestyle. God has a far better plan for young people in Pomona and the surrounding communities. That's why this year, our Easter offering will go to our Justice and Youth at Risk Ministries. And I'm like, ah, it doesn't help us. And boy, when I came to see, you know, because we always mention what the project is on Palm Sunday. When I saw what I was preaching on this morning, I'm like, thank you, God, we did it Peter's way, not mine, you know. Um, And so our Easter project is new carpeting in the worship center, you know. Uh, Just would not have worked with this message. Um, And and, and so I'm, I'm... so very glad. i tell you another reason I'm glad is yesterday at the men's prayer breakfast, I was talking to one of the leaders of Pomona Police Department in our community. He said, Glenn, would you have the church pray for Pomona? Because I don't know if you've been reading this in the newspaper, but there's an increase in violence over the last two or three weeks. There's a, a gang from LA that's come into town and they're invading the turf of a Pomona gang. And there has been a lot of increased violence over the last two or three weeks. And this leader in the Pomona Police Department said, he's part of our church as well, he said, Glenn, could you have the church challenge the people to be praying about this? And so again, I'm so glad that the emphasis of our Easter offering is the young people of Pomona, uh, that it would go to justice and youth at risk ministries to keep them from being pulled into a gang's lifestyle or into the slavery of prostitution. Anybody want to say amen to that? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Doing good, being good, feeds doing good. Doing good feeds being good. When we spend ourselves on behalf of others, we give with wide open hands. Back to Isaiah 58, it says, share your food with the hungry. Do you know that our church has become known as the main place in the Inland Valley where you get your food needs met. Um, Our food ministry on the north part of campus here feeds 2,800 people every month. 2,800 people, almost 3,000 people are fed here every month. That's what Isaiah said here. It says, um, when you see the naked, to clothe them. Our church has become known as the center for clothing ministries. And our clothing ministry on Monday uh, clothes hundreds if not thousands of people every year. Well, here's, here's a new one. It says, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. We've now become known because of Tamiko and her leadership in this area as the center for fighting human trafficking and human slavery uh, today. Just this past Friday in the newspaper, big article uh, with regard to Tamiko, and you see her picture in there about fighting human trafficking and how uh, Pomona is like the, the, uh, the center of human trafficking for this whole area, if not one of the centers for the entire nation. And God just happens to plant our church at the corner of Holton Gary. Is that an accident? No, it's not. And did God happen to raise up somebody to lead us in, in that battle? And so um, that's what we're supposed to devote ourselves to. And it comes from listening to whispers from God. We were camping near the sequoias this past um, weekend. 
And as we were camping up there, I ran into a guy in the church. Um, I ran into a guy uh, from our church um, there near the, in the campground where we were, we were camping out. And he told me a great story. He said, the last time Lisa preached, Lisa Tony preached, she preached last Sunday, but this is not last Sunday, but the time before that, he heard a whisper from God through her message. And so he goes to the men's room after the service is over. And he runs into another guy in the men's room who had also heard a whisper from God through her message. And they came up with this fabulous ministry to help people in need in the men's room after the women's pastor's sermon. I just think God, I get a kick out of God sometimes, you know, that the two guys hear a whisper from God from the women's pastor. They both go to the men's restroom afterwards and they start this phenomenal um, ministry. Number three, when we spend ourselves on behalf of others, we live with wide open hearts. Now we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. And everybody's welcome here as long as you have prayed the prayer that that man prayed. Christ, I open my heart to you with an open heart. As we just saw in that final point, we spend ourselves on behalf of others. We live with wide open hearts to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. You say, Glenn, I'm not sure if I've done that or if I'd like to do it today. How would I do it? On the back of your PFB Weekly, it talks about the three steps to being a follower of Jesus and a little suggested prayer there. But really, it's just a cry of the heart like that man, Christ I cry out for my soul. God, I open my heart up to receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And if you've prayed that prayer in the past, or if you'd like to pray it right here, right now, what better day than Palm Sunday 2013? You're welcome to outwardly show that you're walking with Christ by receiving the Lord's Supper here. And the other thing I want you to do during the quietness as we share the Lord's Supper is listen to whispers from God as to whose soul you're supposed to cry out for this week, like the doctor. He said, the, the one thing God told him to do when he, when he just started talking was he cried out for his soul. God, if this friend, if this family member is going to spend a Christless eternity, I cry out for their soul. And oh God, give me the boldness to invite them this week. Give, give, give me the opportunity to invite them to come with me. And I promise you that if you bring that friend, I will share Jesus with them next, next Easter in a clear cut way. And uh, so let's make those two cries. If you've never committed your life to Christ, cry out to him right now. If you'd like guidance in that, there's a little suggested prayer on the back of your PFB Weekly. But if you've already followed Christ, just listen for whispers. Who is it God's going to lay on your heart as we share the Lord's Supper together right now? Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper.